Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Hello and happy new year. It is a brand new year. I'm recording this on the first day of 2024. And in this episode, I'm going to look back on all the cool stuff that we experienced last year. And I'm looking ahead to watch to come. And I'm hoping it's going to be an amazing year. But before I continue, let me first of all thank you so much for all your support, for the time that you invested in watching my live streams, listening to my content, reading my blog posts, following me on all these social media. It is amazing. Um, and I've had so much great feedback, um, not just remarks or comments on, on, on stuff that I do, but also a lot of very... Uh, good feedback and ideas that helps me to determine where I'm going and what you actually like to watch, listen to, etc. So I've learned a lot from you this past year and I am so grateful because that gives me a lot of ideas and energy for the year to come. But it is, of course, important to look back on this previous year when it comes to uh, being thankful. I think it's also important to realize that even though we live in a world where uh, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of suffering, uh, we worry about a lot of things. Uh, and in this past year, a lot of bad stuff has happened in the world. But we should never forget that next to all this darkness, there's also a lot of light, there's a lot of creativity, a lot of kindness. And I always try in these shows to focus on that because the rest of the media does uh, uh, all it can to focus on the negative stuff. But I believe that ultimately what makes this world a better place is if we always look at what is good, what is beautiful, what gives us joy. Not because we negate what is bad or we don't want to think about it, but as a, almost like a, uh, an antidote to all the negativity. That is probably also one of the reasons that you listen to my stuff, because that's what I hope to convey all the time, is to give you positive energy, ideas, and to hopefully also communicate a bit of my enthusiasm about what's wonderful in the world to you, so it gives you power, it gives you strength. <laughs> Not like movies. They're predictable, like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine, I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm gonna give it to you. 2024 is undoubtedly gonna be another amazing year for movies and TV shows. We live in a golden era, and even though the streaming wars are definitely having an impact on the whole media landscape, there is still so much that is scheduled for the months to come that I think there's gonna be more than enough to enjoy. And before I talk about what I'm looking forward to, I also wanna look back on 2023, because that has also been an epic year, especially for me when it comes to television. You know that I love the movies. I love the theatrical experience. However, this last year, 
I saw almost no movies. I, I went through the list of all on IMDb uh, with all the movies that came out in 2023, only to realize that I saw almost none of those movies. And I think it is partially because I no longer have my subscription to the local movie theater. Movies have become so expensive. And because I already have a lot of recurring costs per month for to pay for all these streaming services, um, I just had to economize somewhere. And I decided to take out the, the media component uh, of my monthly cost that was the highest. And that was my local movie theater. I think I pay, I don't know, 25, 26 euros per month. And then, of course, I can watch any movie, but in reality, I only went maybe once every two months to the theater to watch a movie. And I think after after COVID, after the pandemic, I never really got back into that habit of going to the movies. Another reason that I didn't feel the need to go to theaters is it's the industry's own fault. A lot of the movies that came out only a few months later were available for free, well, relatively for free, on these uh, streaming networks, especially everything Disney. The, uh, just a few months after it was in theaters, these movies I know are going to be on Disney+. Plus. So why would I pay a lot of money to go and see them in the theater when I can watch them in the comfort of my own home, not disturbed by cell phones going off or, or teenagers that are just constantly eating and chatting on their phone during the movie? Why... Don't I just wait a little bit? None of these movies are very time sensitive. I feel, oh, of course, I'm, I'm not. I've not always been part of the online discussion and conversation about these movies, but I also didn't really feel the need. Um, and so, uh, there are a number of movies that came out this past year that are currently still on my watch list for 2024. However, I did watch a few movies. Um, I, I tried to catch up with the Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise. And I have to say um, that the, what triggered me to watch those was that they were going off, off the air. So I think it, they were all on Amazon Prime. And then I saw on the main screen of Amazon Prime that these movies were going to disappear in a time span of 30 days. So I had 30 days to finish watching these movies, which is what I did. And they were very enjoyable kind of stupid also like they're so improbable but the action is good it's not on the level of james bond i enjoyed that a lot more but it's like the almost a quintessential popcorn style movie experience so those were were fun i only saw one superhero movie and it was none of the movies that came out from the marvel uh, universe the only movie that I saw, and I didn't even see it in theaters, I saw it as soon as it came out on was HBO Max, was uh, The Flash uh, f with Ezra Miller, very, of course, controversial actor. I didn't really like his role in the, in the Fantastic Beasts saga. So I was, I was worried that this movie would be bad. There was a lot of bad press around the movie. And I have to say... I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was one of the best uh, DC movies that they have done in this current DCU. Now, of course, 
the whole DCU is going to change because James Gunn has taken over and he's going to start a whole new type of of DC movies. The first movie will be about Superman, which I'm super excited about, and I really hope that it reconnects with the Superman that I loved when I was young. And it was not this brooding, like, super dark, almost like it could have been a twin brother of, of Batman, uh, you know, grumpy Superman, but just like the cheerful hero is going to save the day. To a certain extent, Shazam felt to me much more like the original Superman than the Superman that we got in in the DC universe that is now coming to a close. By the way, I heard that Aquaman, uh, the the sequel to the first Aquaman movie, also you know disappointed at the box office. Doesn't surprise me at all. I was one of the few people who actually really disliked the first Aquaman movie. I saw it twice. And the second time, because I, I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was so bad that I, I, I started to doubt myself. I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I, I sh- this warrants a review. Maybe uh, I, I was in a bad mood. And I saw it a second time, and I could barely make it to the end. That's how bad it was. And so I had no intention whatsoever to watch this second Aquaman movie. And, well, probably I'm not the only one who uh, who is kind of done with this version of the DC Universe. Anyway, so, but The Flash, yes, I liked it and actually thought that Ezra Miller did a tremendous, tremendously good job. It was funny. Um, I, I was constantly uh, mesmerized by, by the way in which they used one actor to play two versions of himself. And then all the cameos and all the stuff, it was just fun inconsequential but but very much fun very much what i like to see in the future of the dc universe and then i saw one other movie that i remember i I undoubtedly saw some other movies but i just can't remember them but there's this one movie that i remember very very well because i saw it um the day before new year's eve it had just come out and i remember it also because it was the worst science fiction movie I've ever seen. Of course you know which movie I'm talking about, Zack Schneider's Rebel Moon. Apparently this was a movie that he pitched to Lucasfilm or to Disney as the plot of a Star Wars movie, and Disney was not interested. And so he decided to change a few things and to turn it into his own his own intellectual property and to create a like a two-part movie um, that feels in many ways like it is a rehash of a lot of Star Wars stuff, but the execution is so incredibly dreadful that I am wouldn't be surprised that this movie would become will become a hit for Netflix because it's so bad and it's so unbelievably bad that people want to watch it. Like, is it really that bad? Yes, it's that bad. And in fact, it's much worse than what you think it is. That's how bad it is. It's as if he took just a, he, he made probably uh, a bunch of um, of drawings of some some key scenes with lots of special effects, and then he was okay. I'm going to tell a story around these iconic uh, uh, scenes that I want to display, and he forgot to tell a story. It's just a chain of totally unrelated events. Half of them are in this inexplicable slow motion 
where, you know, slow motion can be cool, like in The Matrix. It serves a purpose. Here, it's just like you're watching a movie. Okay, so they're fighting, and all of a sudden, everything slows down. And everything ramps up again, and it's back to the normal speed, and then everything slows down again. It's like the entire movie gave me slow motion whiplash. The other thing that I really disliked is that the entire movie is derivative. It's like every scene has a Star Wars equivalent or whatever. There are, there are so many movies that this movie resembles. Now, that's not a bad thing if it's an homage, if it's, it's like, oh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, here is my version of that. No, it's just like, okay, you know that cantina scene in Star Wars? Okay, I'm going to do like a cheap bad version of that. Why? No reason. Uh, it's just, uh, this is supposed to feel like Star Wars, so it needs a cantina scene. Like, even the cantina scene in The Mandalorian, was it in The Mandalorian? I think it was The Mandalorian. There's this cantina scene, and, and it was better than this one. And that's a TV show, a low-budget TV show. It was so, so bad. Now, special effects are all over the place. Um, there are a number of scenes that look nice because it's almost like a, a CGI translation of probably of concept art, so looks okay, but there are also a lot of scenes, especially in the beginning of the movie, where it looks so cheap, and it's clear that they're on a soundstage, and they are probably in the volume or some, some similar technology surrounded by LED screens, and, and you can tell it, it looks really low budget. Now, towards the end of the movie, it gets a little bit better, but what good are special effects if the story is non-existent, really non-existent? Like the female hero of the story is just the total ripoff of Luke Skywalker. Very much the same thing. There's also an empire that exploits people and robs planets of their resources. But the bad guy is just like a Nazi. Like literally, the bad guys look like Nazis. They have the same like hats and everything, and they, they everybody speaks in this very strange accent that resembles nothing, except for one guy who, for whatever reason, has like an Irish accent. And there's like, why, <laughs> why? It's like the entire movie, and it is a long movie, and it's only part one. There's apparently going to be a part two plus. Snyder has already announced that there's going to be an R-rated version. That is the real movie that he wanted to give us. I was like, dude, why didn't you give us that movie? Because you can clearly see that they cut out a lot of the gory stuff. I don't think I'm going to like that R-rated version any better than this one. But seriously, the entire project is so insane. It's almost as if this is part of a strategy. Let's, let's make the worst science fiction movie so everybody is talking about it. You get all these rants and people get curious so they'll watch it anyway. Is that the strategy? <laughs> I don't know. It's just stupid. Anyway, let's stop talking about this movie. Don't watch it. It's so bad. Um, however, I am looking forward to a lot of the movies that I missed and a lot of some of these movies are currently in theaters. So here's my... Random list, not in any particular order of movies that I want to see in the months to come. First of all, Godzilla minus one. I love Godzilla. I even secretly totally love the very bad Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Yes, I know. This is probably something I should bring up in confession. But that was my first Godzilla movie. 
and I fell in love with Godzilla. <laughs> and I I don't know, but apparently Godzilla minus one is the best Godzilla movie ever made because it's not about the monster. It's about it, it's got a human heart. Every review that I see about this movie makes me want to watch it. Maybe even in movie theaters. Maybe I'll make an exception and go watch this in the theater. Second movie. I haven't watched it yet. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's now on Disney+. Plus. So again, why go to the movie theaters if a couple of months later I can watch it for free? The creator um, by the guy who did Rogue One uh, looks amazing. I want to see it. Barbie. It's already online. So haven't watched it. Definitely going to see it. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's the best series in the uh, in the MCU that we have. Haven't seen it yet. Looking forward to it. The Boy and the Heron. I heard so much. Like, people were just over the moon about this movie. It is, of course, a new Ghibli movie, Studio Ghibli movie. And... I haven't seen a single Ghibli movie that I didn't like or love. Apparently, this is one of the best. Um, The Super Mario Brothers movie. I saw it was also available online, so I haven't watched it yet. I really like the Nintendo universe, so I'll probably watch it. Oh, by the way, another movie that I saw the other day or rewatched was uh, Pikachu Detective. And I remember seeing this one when it came out. And uh, and I, I thought it was actually better than I expected. I thought it would be a children's movie, which it kind of is, but it was entertaining. But you may know that I've since then really stepped into the world of the Pokemon. So I play Pokemon Go. And I also play Pokemon Sleep, which really works to get me on a regular sleeping schedule. And so I now know all these Pokemons that are in that movie. It's such a blast. I had so much fun seeing these live action kind of CGI versions of the of the Pokemon that I know from the games. It, it is extremely well done. So anyway, uh, Super Mario Brothers, Across the Spider-Verse. Haven't seen it yet. And Again, people are raving about it. Dungeons and Dragons. I'm so much into D&D. I just had a final session the other day on the 30th of December, and it was so epic. So we have two groups in the in the community, in our Patreon community. Um, we gather on Discord, on our Discord server, and uh, we play the same, the same story, but... The groups are not in sync, so one group is in it at a different level of the story. But it's it's my my very first D and D experience, and it is so amazing. I love it so much. It is I don't know. I just I disappear into that story. Time stands still. I I am hooked for life on D and D. And I hope that in many, many, many years to come, I'll be able to play D&D. In fact, I think that this is this is a type of game that you can play until a very old age. Video games, maybe at one point, I won't be able to to do all the you know the quick reactions and and whatnot. Um, but D&D, it's it's all in the theater of your mind, and it's so awesome. So anyway, looking forward to watching the Dungeons and Dragons movie, the Marvels. I loved Miss Marvel as a TV series. I really want to see the Marvel's movie. It totally flopped at the box office, but yeah, it's got to be good. Elemental, um, this Disney, I think it's Disney or is it Pixar? Anyway, 
same probably the, the the same the same place where the money ends up um elemental apparently is still doing well at the box office definitely want to see it shazam fury of the gods love the first shazam movie um i want to see this sequel but just haven't found the time Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, also haven't seen it. Uh, I Well, that's not entirely true. I did try to watch the first 15 minutes and I got so confused and it was such a, like a, an avalanche of CGI. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Maybe some other time. I just don't, yeah, not now. So anyway, those are the movies that are currently on my list. If there's any other movie that you feel I need to watch in the months to come or in the weeks to come, you know where to find me. Let me know. Now, as for television, that's a whole different story. I watched a ton of television in this past year, and some of it was the best television I've ever seen. And that's not hyperbole. The all-time favorite television series that I've ever watched. Uh, at least the one that, that impressed me most. I think Lost is probably still at the top, followed by Battlestar Galactica, the, the remake by, by Ronald D. Moore. But then, Succession. Whoa, I have a hard time describing what that series did to me, but I have been binge-watching that series. I couldn't stop watching it. It was so incredibly well done. It is... One of the finest television series ever made. Not for children, as I've mentioned many times before in, in my reviews. But um, Succession, if you haven't seen it, I, I, I think it's, um, it's top-notch. For All Mankind, I am currently still watching uh, that series. I haven't caught up yet, but it is um, on par with Battlestar Galactica. Also, Ronald D. Moore, who wrote and directed uh, part of this um, it is insanely good. Um, you can watch it on Apple TV+. Plus. Ahsoka, I, th- I thought it was fine. It, it wasn't definitely not my favorite Star Wars television series, but I loved seeing the rebel heroes are, uh, on, you know, in real life. I felt that a lot of the writing, the dialogue, and the direction was kind of stilted, but it's also because we came off the high that was Andor, and Andor was the best Star Wars television series I've ever seen. I would even rank it above a lot of the Star Wars movies. That's how good it was. And so to go back to much more conventional Star Wars storytelling in Ahsoka was a bit difficult, but it was okay. It was okay. For what it is. Wheel of Time. Now, the second season was definitely a lot better than the first season. They still take a lot of short shortcuts. It's If you are a fan of the books, then you're going to be upset because they do so much condensation of the story and they leave out uh, a lot of characters and plot points and they change a lot. But for what it is, I think it's very, very good. It is still amazingly good uh, quality fantasy television. And even though I like visually, I like the story of the Rings of Power better, the Wheel of Time is still, I am very happy that we get this. And it, it still makes me want to read the entire uh, series, the book series of Wheel of Time. Um, an, an unexpected discovery was the series Poker Face, which is kind of a bit of a detective type of uh, story. Um, 
it's is really hard to explain what it is. It's about this woman who is able to see when someone is lying, and it is one hundred percent foolproof. And she uses that gift to solve crimes, and it is really, really well done. Um, and then, of course, this was the year of Star Trek. Oh my goodness! Even more than Star Wars, this was for me. This was two thousand and twenty-three. Will always be remembered as the ultimate year for Star Trek. Of course, we got the final season of, of uh, Star Trek Picard, which was insanely good. And then it was followed by Strange New Worlds, the second season, which is my all-time favorite Star Trek series. It is so good. I want to live on that enterprise. I, I want to be part of the crew. I, the rest of the world may crumble, but let me live there. <laughs> it is just insane. Um, Silo. Another hit on Apple TV Plus. Very, very cool um, post-apocalyptic science fiction series. Um, even better than the book, even though the book is is very good. But the TV series takes the whole story and 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 retells it in a way that is amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, and then I watched some some animated series, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Still watching the original series, love it. Looking forward to the uh, live action version on 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 Netflix. I think it is, um, especially because the One Piece live action uh, series on Netflix was so good, and that gives me a lot of hope for for The Last Airbender as well. Um, speaking of um, anime, I also really loved a number of anime series that I've discovered, especially Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga is an historical anime uh, about the time of the Vikings in England and their discovery of the United States, and it is a very good story. Also, a surprisingly Catholic story. There, I can't spoil it, but the Catholic history is extremely important to the story of Vinland Saga. Um, and then, humor. This was, for me, the year that I started watching Friends, I'm a little bit late to the party, but it's fun. But you can tell that it's old. Um, especially, you know, I started watching it because I'd finished watching The Big Bang Theory this, this last year. And I miss it so much. I, I, just, I just love these sitcoms. And, and so Friends, I was like, hey, I'll watch Friends. Um, and, and it's okay. It's occasionally funny, but it is, it's a bit dated. I also discovered Young Sheldon, which is not a sitcom, but it is definitely a prequel to The Big Bang Theory. And it has a whole lot of charm. And yeah, I love the way they go in a totally different direction to, when it comes to the format, but a lot of humor is similar. Of course, same writers, same creators. So, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So, all this, in summary, was my were my highlights of, um, of 2023. TV-wise, what am I looking forward to? Um, well, there's this new Star Wars series that I'm very curious about, the, the Skeleton Crew, and the Acolyte is also intriguing. Um, and then just, you know, the new season of For All Mankind and some of that stuff. So who knows? Uh, there, but I, I'm, I'm, I love that we have so much good quality TV. Um, it makes me not even miss the, uh, what is it, uh, the, the movie theater. Yeah.
When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? All right, now let's talk about books. Uh, 2023 was the year in which I read the most books of my life, at least in the time span of one year, I set myself the goal to read 150 books. And I made it in the nick of time. Um, literally on the last day of the year, I read three books. And that brought me to a total of 150 books. Uh, the, the, the thing that made it hard was that I read a couple of very you know, long books. So I read uh, the Mistborn trilogy for the first time, the Red Rising, the first three books of Red Rising, um, and some other, you know, like pretty heavy duty stuff. And so I fell behind on uh, my my regular rhythm of, of reading kind of three books per week. So I had a bit of a, a sprint towards the end. However, I I'm so happy that I did because I discovered so many amazing authors. Also read a lot of nonfiction, which has really helped me in many ways. I talk about it also on uh, this week's episode of The Walk. So um, it, it was a very good experience. However, for this year, I am uh, contemplating setting myself a goal of only 50 books. But to in order to allow myself to read some of those big series, like The Wheel of Time, you know, there's no way that I can try to read 150 books and, and then at the same time read any of the Wheel of Time books because every book is about 700 to 1,000 pages. Um, there are also a couple of Brandon Sanderson books that I would like to read. Those are also like between 800 and 1,200 pages. So I think I'm going to do something different. Um, I've I've gotten into the habit of reading a lot. So now with that acquired habit i think i can attack some of those bigger books but i need to reduce the number of total number of books so i'll read 50 big books big series um it's going to be a different type of discipline because then i need to make sure that every day i read a certain number of pages otherwise i will never get to the end and it, to, to me it's harder to stop reading at one point than to just finish a book and then move on to the next one so we'll see I'll keep you. Uh, I'll keep you posted. Well, I did make a list for my socials about my favorite books of 2023. So maybe this could be inspiration for your own list for uh, for 2024. Now, here are the books that I liked reading most in 2023. Uh, best drama: um, the book Yellow Face by R. F. Kuang. Uh, Arf Kwong is a very accomplished uh, writer, and she has um, a number of bestsellers on her on her name. Uh, but a lot of those books are are just very long, and I just I wanted to read something of her, but I wanted to start with the shortest book, and that was Yellowface. Yellowface tells a story; it's almost autobiographical, definitely inspired by her own experiences as a modern author, and it's about this young woman who is friends with a successful author who who dies suddenly and then she steals the manuscript of the book that she was writing and she publishes it under her own name and then she tries to cover it up for the rest of the book it is an amazing amazing thriller it keeps you on the edge of your seat and it was almost as if you know life imitated art because just recently 
something very similar happened in real life when someone who had a contract with a big publisher for her debut novel was uh, outed to have written a ton of negative reviews on similar books under all sorts of fake accounts. And some people started to suspect that she was behind that and it was all part of her way to deal with her insecurities about her own book. But when people started accusing her of doing that, she started to fight back and say, no, it really happened. And then she just piled on the lies. And ultimately, just the other day, she confessed that, yes, she was behind all those negative reviews and she has lost her contract. But that was so similar to what happens in Yellowface. Oh, my goodness. I never expected that after reading that book, I would see a live live action version of that entire story. Insane. Anyway, uh, best science fiction book. Absolutely, The Red Rising Saga by Pierce Brown. I've reviewed it multiple times here on the show. Go read it. It's super good. Best fantasy, The Mistborn Trilogy by Brandon Sanderson. I do like Pierce Brown's books a bit better because it's more balanced in terms of action. Those books read like movies. In fact, why haven't they been turned into movies yet? Brandon Sanderson is um, a master in setting up a plot and world-building And he does write action very well, and also magical action, which is kind of always hard to... How do you describe magic? How do you describe, like, powers that we don't have any reference for? He does it really well. But he also has these long parts of the book where it's all, like, you're just waiting for something to happen, and it's just all these conversations that just go on and on and on and on, and a lot of politics, and... Not my thing. I'm too much ADHD for some of Brandon Sanderson's writing. So um, here's hoping that some of the newer works of Brandon Sanderson are somewhat better, more more balanced. But all in all, I like the world that he created with Mistborn. It was just, it was not as good as, as Red Rising. Um, best biblical study or theology book. Um, definitely the the works by Luke Timothy Johnson. Um, I read several books, uh, which are actually almost like courses. They're audio courses. Um, and the one that I read first and really made a huge impact on me was um, the book The Apostle Paul, where he talks about what is attributed to Paul, uh, how important the writings of St. Paul have been for the early Christian communities, because Paul was writing his letters long before the Gospels were written down. I never realized it, but the Gospels weren't even around when Paul was already writing down his letters. So it's a fascinating, for me, it was a total like retake of the early church and the composition of the, of the New Testament. Um, I learned so much, and I'm not done learning because I've got a number of other books by uh, Johnson on my to read lists. Best history book. Uh, this was recommended to me by uh, by Liz. She said you have to read Febina by Janina Ramirez. It's a book about the forgotten role of, of women in history. And the book gives a number of examples of very important female uh, you could almost say heroes. It's not fiction, of course, but like protagonists of, of, of our history that have almost completely been forgotten, even though we are still benefiting from what they did in their 
in their time. So, uh, amazing book. Best science book. This was also such a revelation. It's called Other Minds, The Octopus, the Sea, and the Deep Origins of Consciousness by Peter Godfrey Smith. Really good book about the evolution of the octopi, is that the word, of octopuses? And uh, he explains how the octopus is basically um, a, a, the result of, a, of an evolutionary chain that is completely different from ours, but still evolves into this incredible intelligence. But it's so foreign, almost as if this is an extraterrestrial. So if we ever try to conceptualize what what uh, extraterrestrial intelligence and creatures from another planet could look like and the way they would function, look at an octopus because we have it right here in our own oceans. I can never eat octopus for the rest of my life after now that I've read this book. Fascinating also from a philosophical point of view. Best autobiography. I love reading Warwick Davis uh, uh, autobiography Size Matters Not he wrote this even before he uh, took on the role of Willow like in the new series that was then later on quickly cancelled by Disney Plus for some stupid reasons and so um, but Warwick Davis is, is a great guy and um, I had the privilege of meeting him once during the first Star Wars celebration and I've been a fan ever since. He's such a nice uh, and, and funny guy. And uh, really, I loved the honesty of this autobiography. And you, you could tell it's, it's super authentic. He is exactly the person that he writes on paper. Um, th there is no persona there. And that's rare in the world of, of uh, movie making. And then speaking of movie making, the final book that I really enjoyed reading... Uh, was about the MCU. It's called MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios, and it's written by three authors, Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Gavin Edwards. Uh, if you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you wonder how these movies got made and what happened behind the scenes, that's the book. It's extremely well written. It reads so well, um, which I didn't expect because it, it's just behind the scenes stuff, but they did a terrific job gathering all this information that actually Disney doesn't really want to get out. And I wrote in my review on Goodreads that I was hoping that someone would write a similar book about the the, the current modern-day era of Star Wars production because we only see the official documentaries where, of course, everything goes well, there are no conflicts, there are no, no rejected uh, versions of the script, and... Uh, but there is so much going on behind the scenes, and I would love it if we, at least at one point in history, we get to know how these television series and movies were made. Otherwise, it just is lost. We, and I know that from a marketing point of view, it's maybe not what, what Disney wants, but I feel that they're ultimately doing a disservice to uh, movie historians. So, anyway... That is all I have to say about books. And that's also what I had to say in this episode of The Break. On the, on the verge of the new year or at the beginning of the new year, looking back on 2023. I'll continue a little bit more for my dear patrons, the people that have supported me throughout 2023 and continue to do that with their monthly donations. 
it's thanks to them that I can do this work and that I can continue to do this work. So as I thank you, I always record a slightly longer version of the break that is available to them uh, on their private Patreon podcast feed. If, if you're interested, just go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Do that even if you don't have the means to support me financially or you don't want to, because you can join the Patreon community for free. And this year, I'm going to post a lot of articles about the stuff that I talk about here on The Break. So I write these short articles. Like today I wrote an article about how Galadriel was inspired by the Virgin Mary. Tolkien himself says it, so I explain a little bit why and how. And I plan on writing a lot more of that stuff on the Patreon community. So patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Have a wonderful start of the new year, and we'll talk soon. God bless. May the Force be with you.